Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. Everyone is welcome here. This week we are continuing our Advent journey. This is the third week of Advent, and we've been following the traditional themes for Advent and the lighting of the Advent candles. The first week we focused on the ancient prophets and how their message foretold the birth of Jesus. Last week I focused on the perilous journey of Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem and the humble beginnings of Jesus' life. This week we focus on the shepherds who were called by an angel to witness the birth of Jesus. I'll be up front with you and confess that this week's sermon is more of a Bible study than a sermon. I think it's important for us to have a good understanding of the story of Jesus' birth and its background. Coming to Christmas with a deeper understanding will give us a deeper appreciation of what Christmas means when the day comes. We all have our own family traditions, and knowing the origin of these traditions makes them even more meaningful for you and me. It may even inspire us to establish new traditions. So let's turn to the Gospel of St. Luke. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. This is the Christmas Gospel. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. To paraphrase one of my uh, children's books that was my favorite to read aloud, it's called Millions of Cats by Wanda Gag, who says, uh, Hundreds of cats, thousands of cats, millions and billions and trillions of cats, cats here, cats there, cats and kittens everywhere. Well, my paraphrase is, hundreds of sheep, thousands of sheep, millions and billions and trillions of sheep, sheep here, sheep there, sheep and shepherds everywhere. See, that's the impression I get when I look back over the entire sweep of the Bible, Old and New Testament alike. Psalms, stories, images, and parables abound about sheep and the people who tended them. It shouldn't come as a surprise to us, considering the economic importance of sheep in the culture and religion of the times and places from which the Bible emerged. Writers write about what they know. First, a little bit about shepherds. 
In ancient Jewish culture, shepherds were considered unclean, ritually, because they lived in close contact with smelly livestock and their manure. They were banned from the temple and polite religious society. They were also usually nomadic people and were looked upon with suspicion as thieves and ruffians. From our perspective, that was likely true. The Bible, on the other hand, treats shepherds more kindly. Shepherds in the Bible are pictured as caring individuals who would lay down their lives for their sheep. We look, need look no further than Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. It speaks volumes that, the, that God is described as a shepherd. And Jesus also was described as a shepherd and spoke of himself tending his flock. There's also the fact that sheep were vital in Jewish worship. Lambs were offered as a sacrifice in the temple. Lamb was and is the central dish of the Passover meal, or Seder. I guess I can best sum it up by saying that Israel had a love-hate relationship with her shepherds. It reminds me of my wife's uncle Johnny, who was a pig farmer in Iowa. When anyone came to visit the farm and complained about the smell, he would say, that's money you're smelling. Shepherding was dirty business, but somebody had to do it. The most famous shepherd in Israel's long history is King David. When we first meet David in the Bible, he's a young boy tending the family's sheep. Only by a quirk of fate does he gain favor with Samuel, acquires hero status by defend, defeating Goliath, and then going on to become a great warrior. He will then go on to become king during what was considered the golden age of Israel. And he served as the role model for the Messiah, for which Israel wait, awaited to bring back the good old days. Although King David lived a thousand years prior to Jesus' birth, he's relevant to our story today. He was born in Bethlehem and was considered both Mary and Joseph's ancestor. But let's talk about the particular shepherds in our story today. What do we know about them? One of the things that always strikes me when I read the Christmas story is what it doesn't tell us. The Gospels in general are pretty short on details. In Bible studies, I used to enjoy quizzing, quizzing my gullible students by, with questions like, what animals were present when Jesus was born? How many shepherds were there? How many wise men came to visit? Were they in a wooden stable or in a cave? The answer to all of these questions is, the Bible doesn't say. Through the years, through our traditions, we've filled in the blanks. The olive wood nativity scene that we display at Christmas in my home, by the way, I purchased it in Bethlehem, includes Mary, Joseph, the baby Jesus, a cow, two shepherds, three sheep, three wise men, and a camel, purchased separately. We arrange them neatly in a wooden, open-air, barn-like structure. Now that's my nativity scene, and I'm sticking to it. You can arrange your manger scene however you like it. There is a detail about the shepherds that I think we can safely infer. They raised special sheep. Bethlehem is only about five miles from Jerusalem, where the temple uh, was, where uh, throngs of pilgrims visited to offer sacrifice, which required that they buy sacrifice-worthy lambs. 
Thus, these shepherds probably enjoyed a thriving temple business. That's money they were smelling. Let's speculate, then, that these shepherds would have some knowledge of the Jewish tradition, which included the belief that God would one day send a Messiah, a Savior, to rescue them from their Roman oppressors. And as they sat in front of their cave overlooking their sheep on the hillside and the angels appeared, this was something that was not totally out of their realm of belief. Nevertheless, they were terrified by what they saw, but the angels calmed them with words of assurance, do not be afraid. The angels say that they are to go and find a child in a manger who is the Messiah. He'll be wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. That's not something that you would expect to find in a stable. We can only imagine what this heavenly display looked like, but it impressed them enough to journey to town to check out what was going on. They first consult with one another. Then it says they go in haste. Their willingness, their eagerness to embark on what some would consider a fool's errand demonstrates their faith. The rest, as they say, is history. They find Mary and Joseph and the baby swaddled as predicted. It appears that they don't stick around very long. We're not even told if they exchanged greetings with Mary and Joseph, but I think we can assume that they did. But Luke has another job in mind for these shepherds. They go out and spread the news about what they had seen and heard. Everybody they tell the story to is amazed. I said that Luke has a job in mind for the shepherds. Of all the gospel writers, Luke is the historian. He begins his gospel. Since many have undertaken to set down an orderly account of the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed on to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, I too decided that after investigating everything carefully from the very first to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the truth concerning the things about which you have been instructed. Luke 1, 1-4. And by the way, Theophilus means God-lover. He may have been addressing it to us, God-lovers. But the shepherds are witnesses. They spread the word to those around them at the time. The events of that night survived and came down to Luke years later. But Luke wrote them down so that they have survived for us today. Luke was the only one who chose to include these shepherds and their experiences in his story. And aren't we fortunate that he did? I noticed as I was just reading this passage again a little detail that I was about to overlook. It says when Mary heard these things that the shepherds had been saying about their angelic awakening, it says, Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. You see, Mary was still trying to process all of this herself. Although an angel had appeared before her and she had accepted what the angel had said, the shepherds provided outside confirmation that she had given birth the Messiah. One more thing before we leave our shepherds back tending their flocks. 
we are told that the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen as it had been told to them. The shepherds rejoiced at what had happened. They experienced these events as a miraculous beginning of God sending a Savior, a Messiah. The light of God was breaking into the world through that heavenly host and the birth of this child. That's why in some Advent traditions, the shepherd candle, which is lit on this third week, is also known as the joy candle. This would be a good week to sing joy to the world. On Christmas Eve, in churches and homes around the world, people will hear again the story of the shepherds and what they found in that stable in Bethlehem. We, too, will respond with great joy to the news that a Savior has been born. You know, I've never seen angels lighting up the sky at night. You probably haven't either. But when I hear this story, I feel called to go with haste in search for that child wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. I'm not sure where I'll find him. I may find him in the loving kindness I see expressed by the people around me. I may find him in a quiet moment around the Christmas tree on Christmas Eve. I know I will find him when I read this story again and again. What about you? Where will you find the Lord of love? Whenever we do, wherever we do, we should follow the example of the shepherds. Let's go out and share the good news. God loved us so much that he sent his only son to teach us how to love. And maybe the next time I go into the barn and breathe in those sweet aromas, I'll think of those shepherds and say, that's love I'm smelling. Amen. Thank you for joining me this week, and I hope you'll join me again next week as we complete our Advent journey and hear the story of the angels who announced the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. God bless you, and may the holy light of Advent shine upon you.